Welcome to All Sides with Ann Fisher. There's Dollar General, Family Dollar, and Dollar Tree, and more. They seem to be everywhere, but so do McDonald's restaurants, which numbered 13,438 two years ago. Okay, so that's how many McDonald's restaurants are in the U.S., 13,438. Dollar stores have that beat with well over 34,000 stores sprinkled across the country in mostly low-income and rural areas. Coming up, we're going to talk about pushback from some of those communities. Right now, 89.7 NPR news reporter Matthew Rand has been covering the impact in Ohio. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ann. Good to be here. So how many are in Ohio? So for my reporting, I looked specifically at Dollar General. You know, they have sort of nuanced differences between the different models, business models between the different competitors, but I looked at Dollar General specifically. In in 2004, uh, they had around 350 stores in Ohio. That's according to their their filings. And then Mm -hmm. by 2022, they had grown consistently every year to 941. So that nearly a thousand stores uh, spread out across Ohio in that time. Yeah, tripling the number in... uh... 20 or 19 or so years. Yeah, very, you know, steady, steady growth. And it's interesting, even some we had the first couple of years of the pandemic in those numbers as well. And you would think maybe they would slow down or shift gears a little bit, but it didn't look like that. The the growth of the company uh, continued in the in that time. And that's just Dollar General, by the way. Correct. Yeah. I, I and I briefly looked to see if I could dig up some other numbers for some of the other competitors, your dollar trees, et cetera. Um, But uh, those were uh, elusive, we'll say, (laughs) for me this morning. But uh, yeah, but it's, um, yeah, these all sort of follow the same sort of business model with smaller stores, right? Um, You know, located, yes, some of them in urban centers, but a lot of them in more uh, rural parts of, you know, the, the highways and byways between places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to, um, this is something we noticed and something that Chris Merritt also noticed. He's the director of the Illinois Institute for Rural Affairs at Western Illinois University. Mm-hmm. He put out, he and his colleagues, a report in 2019 looking at this. And you can kind of see the, uh, if you look at his report, there are maps showing Dollar General stores across the state of Illinois, as well as dollar uh, family dollars, your dollar trees, mm-hmm. and the the concentration in those urban centers for some of the other dollar store chains are are very pronounced. Whereas Dollar General is really spread out across the state, and so you're, that's it, it sort of tracks um, that you're seeing more of the Dollar Generals popping up in these areas like I said, between places on the edge of town as opposed to uh, urban centers. What have been some of the positive aspects of this growth? Well, sure. If, if you're in a small town or a part of town that maybe didn't have a grocery store, didn't have a, a Walmart uh, that was easily accessible, this is this could be great. You know, cheap goods um, or per, perceived goods. Uh, as cheap goods. We can talk about that in a second. Um, in, in places where there used to be few other options, that's that's very appealing for folks. Um, I said appearances of cheap. So they, they do tend to sell smaller items. So say you're going in for a bottle of dish soap. Uh, it might be a smaller bottle than you find at 
at the grocery store mm-hmm. or, or wherever you, you shop for that. There's not so, as much selection. So, yeah, it, it's not as much selection. If, and the, so the price per ounce might be actually higher, but the but the actual bottle you're buying is cheaper. So it's it's, it's easier to, to buy that, you know, that mm-hmm. smaller pack of toilet paper or whatever it is you're you're stopping in for. Um, you know, on that token, it's it's also convenient. Right. So it's it's nearby where you live versus driving across town or driving to the next town uh, if, if you don't have that that option. Um, and, and then one other thing that uh, Chris Merritt, uh, the, the, the researcher I talked to, pointed out that, you know, it's it's kind of nice uh, for municipalities and new source of property taxes. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a boost to uh, financially struggling uh, towns. You're listening to All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News. We're talking about uh, the the rise of the dollar store it can take a lot of different form, not really that many different forms they're pretty recognizable uh there's different names of them they're owned by different companies dollar general is a big one um dollar tree dollar store you know that goes on and on and on if you have a question or comment this hour or thoughts about this we'd love to hear from folks in more of the rural areas uh, about your experience with these stores and what they bring to the game and maybe what they take away uh, 614-292-8513 or email us at allsides at wosu.org up in the upper peninsula where we go they have two dollar stores in the area almost within walking distance of each other. Is that pretty typical, Matt Rand? Yeah, you see them clustered together. That, that was what I certainly found in my, my reporting. What about that? Yeah, um, I, think, I think they're following similar business models, and I know these companies have very uh, sophisticated methods of deciding where they're going to put up these stores. Yes, they aren't as expensive to operate as a big box store, uh, but they still, you know, the, the, they're operating on very thin margins. And they want to get the most bang for their buck when they build one of these stores. And so they're looking at uh, where uh, property values are low, but traffic through that area is high so that it gets the most number of people going to and fro to stop in because, you know, most those shoppers don't spend more than just a couple of minutes inside the store. Another location strategy is to park themselves next to a grocery store, which is usually an independently owned grocery store in these rural areas, the big chains don't go there. Um, that's not so good for them. Yeah, that is, as you can imagine, I uh, went to Richwood, uh, Ohio, in Union County, about, I want to say, 40 minutes outside of Columbus, uh, northeast uh, part of the state. And uh, there's a store there, uh, Richwood Cardinal. It had operated um, independently for 30 some odd years. Uh, this, first of all, a Dollar Tree, I believe it was, moved in kind of next door, like two stores down. And um, the, the, the gentleman who ran the grocery store said, you know, that was okay. You know, the, the competition from, from, the, from the Dollar Tree was, was okay. We could still work within, you know, our, our, our budget here and make ends meet. But then in short order, a Dollar General moved in, and they actually bought up the lot right next door to that uh, grocery store. And he said, you know, they, the way he tells it, the that that Dollar General set out to put him out of business, and it succeeded. And it did succeed, yeah. And they, he tried to make it work for a, a couple of years, but in the end, it was just didn't make financial sense to to keep the doors open. So, the argument that they provide 
a service in some of these deserts. So they also create the deserts in a way. Yeah, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Um, like I said, we were talking about the, the benefits here. Um, you know, and as far as the fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, sort of the fresh offerings that some of these dollar stores are offering now, that's kind of a, a newer development. You know, historically it was like you get, you might find some milk and bread, but you generally canned goods, frozen goods, that sort of thing. Um, so not as many options before uh, to replace a, a, a dedicated grocery store like I said, they're trying to uh, diversify their, their offerings, have more fresh items up for sale, but it's sort of, it's sort of tough. And I talked to some folks uh, there in Richwood about mm -hmm. that, you know, people who say, look, we love shopping at our Dollar General. We come here all the time for odds and ends, but on the, on the, the same token, they have got to drive out of time, out of town if they want a full grocery store, uh, you know, the full week's worth of groceries, they, mm -hmm. they've got to leave town. Yeah, they don't have like for their meat and their exactly a full vegetable selection and all all that kind of stuff. What um what about the urban side of this? Yeah, it, it my reporting looked more on the rural aspect of this, but they you do see them of course uh, popping up in uh, urban centers as well. Um, again, they're, they're they're operating on super tight margins, so they're looking at places where uh, the they can afford to to set up shop and uh, and operate. So you're looking at usually the poor um, parts of town that uh, already sort of lack a lot of the the niceties of a you know here in Columbus. If you know full service grocery, exactly. Yeah, yeah you you might not have that, or you would have to drive a few minutes to get out of out of the way for that. But so it it is a double edged sword. You know, if you're in one of these places where you don't have or have not had that full service aspect you know a shiny new yellow sign uh welcoming you in might be appealing but also it comes at a cost attorney general dave yost sued dollar general last november for deceptive pricing um how has that played out yeah the latest on that um as far as I'm aware, is last month uh, the attorney general's office and the company reached an agreement averting a temporary restraining order. And it's kind of the conditions of this agreement. Dollar General is required to charge shelf uh, uh, charge customers shelf price uh, for items they ring up. If you know if the customer brings an item to the counter and it rings up for higher, they've got to lower that price to what it actually said on the shelf well, what you yeah i mean which is what you what would expect advertising yes. it for yes and so they've agreed to to really make strides to do that um another condition of this uh dollar general's district managers have to perform price checks kind of an audit every 45 days of their prices um you know 25 uh items on the shelf make sure those are being charged for what they say they are if and more than keeping track of that well that's a good question um you know if if more than five items showed any discrepancies they're supposed to notify the corporate office but you know one could make the argument well it's, they're sort of policing themselves to an extent right. um i know the attorney general's office though has, will they get the data on that i i, I would think so I, I think that's my understanding and they've been very uh very aggressive in pursuing this, so I'm I'm sure we'll hear more um, if if more discrepancies continue to show up. Have you found any communities in Ohio where they don't like the dollar stores? They wish they hadn't come. They, you know, that that where the losing their local grocery store has been a hard hit. 
Yeah, I when when I went to Richwood, I I did talk to a, a few different folks, uh, just shoppers there. Um, I, they were slow to criticize the the dollar stores for being there. It's the convenience factor was really high up on their list, but I think there is a sense of lamenting the loss and the way things used to be. You know, of course, you look at these, uh, you know, a grocery store like what existed in Richwood, you know, employed dozens, you know, countless, uh, especially young people in the com- community yeah. working to stock the shelves, et cetera. And that was, you know, a foot in the door for a lot of folks that just isn't there in the community anymore. Matt Rand, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Happy to do it, Anne. Thanks. Matthew Rand is a reporter for 89.7 NPR News here at WOSU Public Media. We're talking about dollar stores today, Dollar General, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree. There's more. Uh, And there's a lot of them out there, um, by the way. A lot more dollar stores than there are McDonald's, if that helps. About uh, more than twice as many in the United States. So um, that's your little point of perspective. If you have a question or comment, we're going to have some marketing and retail marketing experts coming on. So stay with us. This is All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News. This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Ann Fisher. Last year, Forbes magazine ranked Dollar General, one of the major dollar store chains, the biggest U.S. retailer by the number of outlets. Such stores are thriving in rural areas while the larger economies in these communities struggle. Coming up, we'll hear about how some of those communities are pushing back. Syracuse University professor Shelley Cohan is an expert in retail management and strategy. Shelley Cohan, welcome to All Sides. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, what is it about the business plan of dollar stores that it feels like they're like guppies in, in that they're, the way they reproduce and how they, they kind of clone themselves around the country? Um, what is it? Just cheap stuff? Is that that simple? Low margins? Yeah, I mean, I think dollar stores in general, they do operate on smaller margins of around 30%. Um, but they also operate with a high inventory turnover, meaning how often they sell goods. Their inventory turn ranges between 4 and 5%, which is pretty healthy. And the business model is really to keep operating costs low, meaning keeping payroll low, rent low, um, and keeping that inventory high. So selling more products in greater frequency. So they actually make most of their revenue or profits from consumable goods, you know, foods, products, uh, pet supplies, cleaning supplies, health and beauty items. Where do most, where does most of the stuff come from? So typically um, they offer, normally dollar stores are going to offer a very, what we call broad assortment. So they're going to offer a lot of variety of items, 
but within those items, there'll be a few choices. So it's a shallow assortment. And typically a lot of those items are coming from uh, the suppliers. And so they have really strong relationships with those suppliers that give them the ability to offer a, such a great uh, selection of products for the consumer at very low prices. Are the suppliers, do they tend to be different suppliers than what say grocery store chains get or you know, any, any other number iterations of retail outlets? Yeah, I think that the, you know, the grocery store um, supplier chain is probably a little different than what, say, a discount store has. A discount store um, is going to have a different supplier set, and they're going to offer probably a broader variety of selection, not focused as much on food, as an example. Okay. And I'm, I'm also curious to what extent dollar stores vary in their stock uh, from location to location. A lot of times in, so the dollar store in, in, in general is a smaller square footage than let's say a Walmart or a Target. Walmart and Targets are a much larger, larger store size. The smaller format dollar stores, let's say are around 7,500 square feet as an example. And they're going to want to assort those products to best match the needs of that local community. So you'll probably see some variations as you go from uh, store to store and community to community. Um, but there's also going to be a lot of similar items that they purchase on a national level. When did dollar stores get to be a thing? Well, I don't know if you, do you remember the dime store? Yes, absolutely. The five, <laughs> well, yeah, Franklin Five and Dime, yeah. I'm yeah, old. many years ago we had... <laughs> We had the five and dime stores, and then we had the dollar stores, which actually, technically now, a lot of the items in a dollar store are, quite frankly, more than a dollar. A lot of the items are selling for $1.25 based on inflation. Um, but really, to be honest with you, a lot of the growth recently, when you look at pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, has really come as a result of the pandemic, but also because inflationary pricing has just been so high. So as consumers as these prices continue to soar consumers are looking for more ways to save money including shopping at discount stores dollar stores and even trading down to generic or store brands what did the pandemic have to do with the growth why why during the pandemic well a couple of things during the pandemic one um one of the biggest uh for discount stores specifically like walmarts and targets who were designated as essential retailers, they were able to stay open during the pandemic. When you look at the dollar stores, they were offering a lot of products, cleaning products and that type of thing, which really helped out that local consumer. The other thing where I think dollar stores created more than an advantage is because they're right there in the community, they're in that neighborhood and very close to the community, it's very easy access to go and get products and supplies and stuff. And that was very useful during the pandemic. Uh, um, a lot of dollar stores open up in lower income communities. I mean, pretty much uh, e e slash rural. Um, is there anyone, has anyone studied the benefits, the, the, I guess the pros and the cons to the economy of this? Because I, I guess it's bringing jobs in. That is until the local grocery, go grocery store goes under and then it's a net loss of jobs, right? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to look at. I think there's certainly pros when we look at dollar stores coming into a community. 
Um, and there's certainly some disadvantages or cons. So let's start with the pros. I mean, dollar stores can offer consumers products at a lower price. And if consumers are really being pinched with inflationary pricing, that can be a positive for the consumer. They also have the ability to replenish uh, goods quickly because of the corporate infrastructure that they have. So they have the availability of products and probably better availability. Um, they offer a broader assortment um, and they have tremendous buying power with those suppliers, which then goes back to the first point of, you know, a broader selection and lower pricing. Um, they're, community, they're located in the community where they serve which could be a positive. And they also help to support local real estate markets with long-term lease contracts. With all that said, there's also a dark side. They may drive out the local mom and pop stores, including ones that have been around for many years and really are part of that community culture. Wages typically are lower in a dollar store than other retail stores. And that could also have a negative impact. So, you know, driving out that local mom and pop store and having uh, lower wages certainly are disadvantages. Um, when you said they can replenish stock quickly, given their corporate infrastructure, what did you mean by their corporate infrastructure? What is it? Yeah, sure. So the corporate in infrastructure means their distribution. So their ability to distribute and get products to stores in an efficient manner. So because they're a larger, uh, they have a larger infrastructure, they have distribution centers and logistics, trucking, all of that, that help get product to those stores in the most efficient manner. Um, I was talking with our reporter, Matthew Rand, a little earlier ago, and we noted that they also will tend to gravitate toward or buy up um, leases near the nearest grocery store, if there is one. Uh, and eventually, typically driving that out of business is kind of the, 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 I don't know if it's part of a strategy. What do we know about that? Well, I can't speak specifically to the strategy that they have on the grocery sector. I don't have any inside information. Um, but, you know, depending on what type of grocery, if you're talking about the local grocer that may not have as big of an assortment, um, you know, perhaps that could be true. But certainly, you know, some of the other grocery stores that offer a much broader selection of food, I think where there might be some competition might be in the ready-made food areas where a lot of like even drugstores are getting into this ready-made food business as the, well. The freezer so shelf. So that might be some. Yeah, in the yeah. freezer shelf, right? That kind of a thing. And then the ramen noodle stuff, all that. Exactly. Um. You know, it's interesting that while we see these dollar stores, you know, I was looking at the numbers um, with Matthew a few minutes ago, and just Dollar General in 2004 had 350 stores in Ohio. In 2022, they had 941, and that's just Dollar General. It's been pretty right. explosive growth in that market, um, but that's happened while a lot of other things have gone out of business. What's the what's going on? It's just people, I don't know, what's changing about the market out there? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you look at, um, if you look at the three-year growth of, let's say, Dollar General in particular, I mean, their sales are up 10% over three years. So they're certainly growing. Um, their net profits are higher than, you know, they've been. And uh, they operate at a very low operating expense. So there's, you know, sales and operating expense are right around 22%, which is relatively low. 
I think that what's happening is, again, going back to consumer mindset, the consumers are really pinched right now and they're really looking to save money. So they're turning to more of the off-price retail stores, the discount stores, the dollar stores. We're seeing a rising growth in all, in all three of those categories. Let's see, John in Dayton, you're on the air. Hi, John. Hi, uh, good to talk to you, sure. uh, enjoying the show. Thanks. But uh, I just want to call in and just uh, point out the fact that, um, which I'm sure you probably already realized, that the fact that even though in their names, Dollar General and Family Dollar, it implies that when you walk in there, that everything is only a dollar when you go buy it off the shelf, which is not at all the case. Whereas Dollar Tree, when you walk in there, which you've already brought up in the program, it's gone from a dollar to a dollar twenty-five now, but they actually, when you walk in there, that everything is just a dollar. And so the names are kind of deceiving as far as these retail establishments. Right. Yeah, exactly, John. Um, and that's okay, right, Shelly Cohan? I mean, it used to be the five and dime and not everything sold for a nickel or a dime back in those days too, right? Well, I, I think what's happened is, and it's interesting because um, I actually wrote a whole article about this uh, a couple years ago, but you know, putting dollar in the name of the store probably wasn't the best idea. Uh, because eventually we knew that, that that's not infinity. You know, dollar stores aren't going to be infinity. And John's right. You know, it can be a misnomer for consumers thinking that when they walk in, everything's a dollar. It's certainly not uh, a dollar for sure. You know, I'm kind of curious about the – John, thank you so much for that call. I appreciate it. Uh, 614-292-8513 or email us at allsides at org. If you have a question or comment, my guest is Shelly Cohan. She is a professor. Uh, she teaches in the retail management program at Syracuse University. What's the deal with the color scheme? It's mostly yellow uh, in the signage or maybe sometimes orange. Um, is there any method to that colorful uh, well, there's ma madness? <laughs> Well, here's what I will say. I will say, yes, there's definitely a method to marketing strategies and creating colors that um, uh, that consumers will relate to. So the bullseye for Target and blue for Walmart, um, why they chose those colors, the, you know, uh, orange or the yellow and the red. Uh, I have no idea why they chose those colors, but there's definitely a marketing strategy behind creating logos that are instantly recognizable by consumers. Um, and using colors to be able to uh, tell a story. And I, I guess you were saying that maybe there's a downside to having dollar in the title because we know that intellectually we know that everything's going to go up in price eventually, but emotionally it must speak to us. Definitely. I think it does speak to us because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, consumers are really looking for value you know, value. And when you see dollar stores, um, you think of value. And I do, I do think that represents something to consumers and the consumer mind, mindset. Consumers don't shop by category name. Like as an, as an expert, I can say discount stores, off-price retail, but consumers aren't saying, oh, I'm going to go visit an off-price retailer today. They just don't talk in those terms. They talk in terms of, you know, I want to get a discount. So I'm going to go to you know, what I see is a discount store, which is Walmart and Target or a dollar store. And even like five below, which is, 
you know, another of the dollar stores, quite frankly, although theirs is everything's under $5. (laughs) Oh, okay. I didn't, I don't think I've ever been to one of those, but I've seen them. And that's what that's about. Um, There's, I mean, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we didn't know what a Marshall's was or a Home Goods or any of those things. I mean, discount is kind of the name or a perceived discount is kind of the name of the game, right? Absolutely. The discount sector has grown tremendously over the past five years. The off price, which is what you mentioned, the TJ Maxx, the Marshalls, the Home Goods, um, all those stores have seen significant growth. And I think the other piece, just to kind of think about in the back of your mind in terms of this, is you know a lot of consumers are looking at you know purchasing less goods more frequently. And so what they want to do is really have when they are purchasing goods, have their dollar optimized. So being able to spend as much as they can with the dollars that they have. A big difference between the TJ Maxx slash Marshalls, et cetera, uh, category and the dollar store is a lot of dollar store stuff. And there's, of course, exceptions, but a lot of it's off-brand stuff, names you've never heard of. Whereas, um, you know, at like a Marshalls or something, it's designer, you know, uh, the best names in the business at a discounted price. You're, you're absolutely right. So the off-price discounters, DJ Backs, the Marshalls, that is their whole business model. They're buying name brand goods and selling them to consumers for less, whereas dollar stores um, are not. They're, sa- they're typically selling their nationally recognized brands um, in, in all of their locations. They're not selling... They're not buying goods from other retailers and reselling them like a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls. What do we know about the corporate overlords here? <laughs> I mean, who are the people that own these these uh, operations? Are they even American? Well, uh, I believe Dollar General is uh, based in the U.S. And I believe that uh, the other big one is the Dollar Tree, mm-hmm. uh, which is also located in the U.S. as well, the corporate offices. Um, Dollar Tree does do business in Canada, um, but their primary location is here in the U.S. Those are probably the two biggest when we look at the dollar store configurations. And do they, so they're, they're American and they're owned by real people. Uh, do they have things like this going on in other countries and other westernized countries, I guess? Oh, I'm sure globally there's other, um, dollar store type of structures that are had throughout uh, every country, probably called uh, different. I know that um, there's in the UK, they have something called the pound store, which is, uh, as you can imagine, a dollar store. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We have an email here from Lisa Hamler-Fugit. She's executive director of the Ohio Association of Food Banks and Food Deserts are a big issue for them. She said the deep discounter and dollars Dollar retail outlets were developed to serve low-income communities and households with incomes at or below $35,000 per year. The expansion for these stores came rapidly once they received their food stamp SNAP license redemption center and expanded their dairy and frozen food selection. So they take food stamps too, so a double a double whammy. Right. That was must have been a really big deal for them to get that, uh, you know, the licenses to do that. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it helped grow their model significantly. Why do we see two dollar type stores often in small rural communities? They're competing with each other, right? Well, yeah, because you have and it gets very confusing because it was only recently that Dollar Tree and Family Dollar merged into one company. 
It used to be Dollar Tree, Dollar Store, Dollar General, which was really confusing. And to your point earlier about the dollar, you know, I'm not even sure if you ask a consumer, if you said to them, do you shop at Dollar General or Dollar Tree? They probably are going to take a second and say, oh, I don't remember. Also remembers the sign is green. Then we know it's Dollar Tree or, oh, no, it's the yellow one. Right. Going back to your color conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so the dollar. Yes. Yeah, so that's why we might see more. We might see a Dollar General and a family dollar in the same locations to competing uh, companies, just like we might see a Walmart and a Target, as an example. In in rural communities that have a target, the most the targets unlikely, but Walmart a lot of times will be. Do you see as? I mean, they'll be still there. They'll they'll compete. They'll try to compete with Walmart even. Yeah, I mean, I think the big difference between a Walmart and some of the dollar stores, Walmart, because of their large square footage, they're not as deep into those rural communities, perhaps. Um, whereas Family Dollar, because they're smaller, they're a bit more agile in terms of location selection and being in um, areas where Walmart wouldn't be able to have a store. With that said, I'm just going to throw out there, you know, Walmart is playing around and has been for many years with that smaller format store, the neighborhood market. So I think it's the other way around. I think Walmart's going to be competing against the dollar store. <laughs> They'll go full on against it, not just, um, yeah, look askance at it. Take a quick question here from Carl in Malvern. Hi, Carl. You're on the air. Welcome. Well, thank you. Hey, second time I've watched your program. find it very informative and thank enjoy you. it. Uh, I live in a rural area. Actually, I live uh, two and a half miles of a small village here called Malvern in Ohio. One thing, and I shop Family Dollar quite a bit because it's the closest thing to home, uh, but I also shop Walmart. Something I believe that I've noticed, that if you go into Walmart, I'm a baloney freak. I love my baloney. But let's say you go into Walmart and you buy a pound, 16 ounces, of Sugardale, Oscar Mayer, whatever the case may be, of baloney. And let's say it costs 285 at Walmart for 16 ounces. Mm -hmm. If you walk in the Family Dollar and you buy their brand, which I believe is Bar Q, it's only, I believe, 14 ounces. So you're paying 225 for 14 ounces versus 285 for 16 ounces. So if you go in the Family Dollar and you buy quite a bit, that savings that you believe that you're getting, mm -hmm. are you really getting it when the packages are actually smaller right. in weight? Right. That's you. 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 You hit the uh, the nail on the head. Right, uh, Shelley Cohen. Yeah, and I'm gonna. Do, if I just have one second to mention this, I mean, it's a great analogy. Walmart's absolutely going to have the better pricing. The reason Walmart has a better pricing is they're doing 611 billion dollars a year compared to, let's say, uh, Dollar General, which is doing 34 billion dollars. So you can see that Walmart has significantly higher, stronger uh, buying power than even the family dollars. And also based on the operating model, those 7,500 square foot stores are probably more costly to run than the Walmart store, which is a bit bigger in terms of replenishment and operations and being able to uh, get stock out there in an efficient manner. So that's probably why you're finding it cheaper at Walmart than you will be finding it at the dollar store. Carl, thanks for that call. And Shelly Cohan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
Thank you so much for having me. Shelly Cohan is a professor at Syracuse University where she teaches retail management. Uh, we have more coming up. If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 614-292-8513, or email us at allsides at wosu.org. This is All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News. This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Ann Fisher. Dollar stores are one of the fastest growing retailers in the U.S. They even outnumber McDonald's more than two to one. And they've doubled their footprint in rural areas, according to a study by the American Journal of Public Health. Some local governments are pushing back against the influx. Stacy Mitchell is co-executive director for the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. It's a nonprofit organization and advocacy group providing technical assistance with local solutions for sustainable community development. Welcome to the show. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, why are some people pushing back against the expansion of dollar stores? I mean, it may be the only game in town. These stores have been proliferating, and you know, both cities and small towns have been finding that they're often overrunning, overrun by dollar stores. So it's not necessarily a question of whether there's a dollar store within reach. The question is, what happens when there are uh, multiple dollar stores opening, dozens of dollar stores in some neighborhoods opening. And what communities have been struggling with is that the dollar stores are often driving out existing grocery stores and other local businesses, and in many cases, kind of locking the community into a downward spiral. And so we've seen both urban neighborhoods and small towns you know, standing up and really saying enough is enough. I'm curious, is there any examples of a town doing that and achieving their goal of getting rid of the dollar store? And what replaced it? Well, certainly lots of cities have set uh, dispersal limits on dollar stores and have been successful in, in preventing more dollar stores from opening. And so many of these places are, are communities that already have some dollar stores. It includes a number of cities across Ohio and small towns in Ohio, uh, as well as across the country. You know, this... Uh, this was really this this effort really got started in uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, several years ago, back in 2018. Uh, North Tulsa, the, the the predominantly black part of, of Tulsa, had had dozens and dozens of dollar stores that had opened. They had no full service grocery store, uh, and no grocery stores were really sort of struggling to come in because of the impact of that kind of dollar store saturation. The city councilor who represented that neighborhood led a big effort of neighbors, and they persuaded the city council to enact an ordinance uh, really restricting new dollar stores from coming into that neighborhood, and then worked very hard. And now last year, a new full-service grocery store has opened. You know, Prior to this, residents either had to subsist on the meager offerings at the dollar store, the 
processed and packaged food that you can get there, or they had to travel uh, quite some time to get to a full service supermarket. So many of many places that are that are limiting the dollar stores are also taking specific steps to bring in full service grocery stores that offer fresh food. Questions or comments, give us a call. We're talking about dollar stores today, 614-292-8513. And Helen in Dayton, you're on the air. Hi, Helen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm calling regarding the dollar stores and uh, specifically Dollar General. Um, where I live, uh, we were considered a food desert, and we were finally able to get uh, the Gem City Market uh, to open up on our neighborhood um but the issue i think with the dollar general stores is that um besides the fact that they don't provide for fresh fruit you know fruits and vegetables you know that type of um selection in general they are understaffed and poorly run so at least in our experience uh this when you walk into the store it's often um the shelves are empty or there's, you know, there's boxes lined up along the aisles waiting to be stocked. Um, or it's very unkempt. You know, there's um, the outside is, um, you know, there's garbage that, you know, mm-hmm. can, can happen because, you know, it, it was a windy day and we got, you know, tissues and napkins and containers on the outside. But it's, you know, it doesn't serve the morale of the community. And that's, mostly i think what people are concerned about mm. it's just the morale the psychological impact yeah. that these stores have but, yeah. because a like i said they're understaffed right they're not well kept and not like a walmart or right or a marshall when you walk in Let, and i'm not saying they should be that way but at least whatever it is that they offer you know to the, the community you know, make it attractive. Make them feel good when they walk inside. Well, well let's let you know. Have... Right. Well, let me, I, Helen, I completely hear you 100%. I mean, one of the things that straps them, Stacy Mitchell, is they have very low overhead is part of their business plan. They don't want to spend money on anything that they don't have to. That's right. I mean, they have what they refer to as a lean labor model. They employ very few people uh, and they pay very low wages. Uh, almost a quarter of people who work at Dollar General and Family Dollar earn less than $10 an hour. Um, and that's, that understaffing and the lack of security features in these stores you know, has not only led to the kind of chaos and, and disorder that the, that the caller describes, but has also led to a lot of violence. I mean, these stores are really sitting ducks for armed robbery because of the lack of security and the understaffing. And so, you know, I mean, this is part of the reason the report that my organization released last week, you know, we found it's, it's easy to look at these stores and say they're a symptom of economic distress. But what we found is they're actually the cause of it. That when they come into neighborhoods, they tend to drag neighborhoods down. And rather than alleviating poverty, they tend to make it worse. Um, isn't it, even if dollar stores are pushing out locally owned businesses, I mean, to what extent, so the idea is to protect consumers from themselves. Um, because the bottom line is, if there's just a grocery store there, they have their own margins to meet. Um, they may have more local pride, but they still have to charge what they have to charge to stay open. Uh, it's it's a tough business. Yeah, it's an excellent question. And there, and there are two things that I'd like to, to point out. 
Um, one is that the dollar, if you think about a grocery store, um, all of the stuff on, on the outer edges, all the fresh food, the produce, the meat, the dairy, that's all very, it's perishable. And it's, you know, you generally don't make much money on it. You may even lose money on perishables as a grocery. You make your money in the center aisle, the packaged foods that are not processed, and that, the, the processed and packaged foods. And, and that's the margin that enables you to sustain the whole thing. And so when you have a dollar general come in and locate across the street from an existing locally owned grocery store, they're just offering the packaged foods and they're now they can pull maybe maybe they pull away twenty percent of your business, which is pretty typical. You know, the grocery store is still more popular. Eighty percent of people are buying their groceries there, but they've pulled away the part of your business that you actually make your margin on. And that tends to then undercut the local grocery store. And even though they're very popular, they end up going out. The other thing that is really crucial, I think, to understand um, about this problem, and one of the things that we are really pushing on is that there's a significant federal antitrust issue here, which is that Dollar General and Family Dollar are able to pressure suppliers into providing discounts and, and special package sizes that not, are not made available on equal terms to independent grocery stores. That's technically a violation of antitrust law, but it's, it's a law that we have not enforced in many decades. Um, the thinking was that bigger would deliver more benefits to consumers. But I think we're now learning that there's a real cost to that. And so one of the things we're calling for is that independent grocers deserve a level playing field. If you're out there selling produce, serving your community, you deserve to get the same pricing that Dollar General gets from those suppliers. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a criticism of Walmart, you know, the biggest retailer in the world for a long time. What's happened to that criticism? It is still there. I mean, Walmart, Walmart is very much uh, in the center of our concern. And I would say, uh, you know, regarding to that firepower and, uh, you know, Walmart dominates the grocery industry. And in fact, there is a there's an almost symbiotic relationship between Walmart and the rise of the dollar chains because Walmart came into a lot of metro areas you know, built in the suburbs and in the outer reaches of the city and, you know, amassed a lot of market power, got those special deals from suppliers, drove a lot of family-owned grocery stores out of business. And then the neighborhoods that were left with, with those grocery stores closed, there were a lot of neighborhoods that were left as food deserts, and they became kind of an open landscape, and the dollar stores have then moved in like an invasive species. And so, uh, you know, there's a direct connection between Walmart's enormous power in the food system and the rise of these predatory dollar chains. And, you know, it's it's great to see dozens and dozens and dozens of communities across the country and ordinances getting on top of this from the bottom up. But we also really need federal law, uh, policy makers to be looking at this because we've got an uneven playing field that's really detrimental, you know, not only to, to these small grocers, but to the communities that they serve. What kind of federal regulations would, should be put in place to stem the tide? I, what would they do at that level? Yeah, so the, there's a important law that was enacted in the 1930s, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to get a little wonky here, but there's a law called the Robinson-Patman Act. It was enacted in the 1930s, and it says, you know, that big suppliers need to make the same discounts, the same terms available to all retailers, excuse me. <laughs> and that law was enforced vigorously by the Federal Trade Commission, which is the you know, agency in charge of our antitrust laws and in charge of, of maintaining fair competition. It was enforced vigorously for decades until the late 1970s. And, you know, in the, in the midst of kind of inflation and then the Reagan administration coming in, 
the agency basically just shelved that law. They stopped enforcing it. And, you know, the thinking that this was that this was going to be good for people. Um, and now, 40 years later, a lot of people are looking around saying, you know, we have a highly consolidated grocery sector. And grocery prices are soaring. And people who work in the food system are getting paid less. I mean, no one seems to be doing well because of this consolidation. And so there is, in fact, a growing interest at the FTC in reviving enforcement of that law. And you know, my my organization very much believes that that's a critical part of how we, you know, how we how we fight back against what, what Dollar Channel is doing to our communities. Um, the political dynamics are interesting. Liberal and conservative, you know, so urban liberals, uh, conservative rural areas uh, are both making similar arguments against dollar stores popping up. Um, is this a unifying issue? It, what's it been like um, on the ground there? Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. I mean, I, I mean, it goes to the fact that you, know, you look at our country today, and I think one of the most worrisome uh, trends we've seen is that we've got a few big, you know, big metros that have really been lost. And we've got, you know, Seattle, where Amazon is, or Washington, D.C., New York, the Bay Area, these places where, you know, I, I mean, you know, just high, high and high jobs, lots of gentrification. And then you have a lot of regions of the country, including sort of, you know, other cities, as well as a lot of rural areas that have been utterly marginalized that, you know, as big companies have consolidated their jobs in a few places and have eliminated a lot of small businesses, a lot of medium-sized businesses, you know, lots of other places have been left without an economic base. And, you know, in those places, rural and, and urban are often, you know, as, as we're seeing with the dollar sort of chains, you know, at the, on the losing end of, of some of these trends. And so, um, it's, it's not surprising I see both types of communities really fighting back and have to figure it out. Um, this is, you know, they're being sold a bill of goods. So. Stacy Mitchell, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. That's Stacey Mitchell. She's co-executive director for the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. We've been talking about uh, the influx, um, the massive growth of uh, dollar-type stores around the country. Dollar General's the biggest, but uh, just Dollar General's uh, in central Ohio alone uh, grew from um, something like 350 in 2004 to 941 in 2022. Quite a growth uh, uh, trajectory there. Thanks for listening. This is All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News.